We're going to look at another one of Jesus's parables today, and I'm actually going to do it a little bit differently this time, where I'm going to begin by just reading the parable, and then after I'm done reading it, I'll set up the discussion that we're going to have about this parable. So this parable is found in Mark chapter 12, starting at verse 1. It says, Then Jesus began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a pit for the winepress, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants to collect from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. But they seized him, beat him, and sent him away empty-handed. Then he sent another servant to them. They struck this man on the head and treated him shamefully. He sent still another, and that one they killed. He sent many others. Some of them they beat, others they killed. He had one left to send, a son whom he loved. He sent him last of all, saying, They will respect my son. But the tenants said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. What then will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. Now, to begin to understand this parable, we have to understand that Jesus spoke this parable about the chief priests and teachers of the law and elders. Which means that Jesus spoke this parable to address the religious leaders of the time. And he's talking about how they are, have taken what God has given them and taken it away from God. And even though God has sent prophets and eventually Jesus himself, his own son, to get back what God has given to them, they refuse to do so. And so if we were to take this parable in what it says and who it was addressed to and put it into today's context, it would be talking about the church. And particularly, it's a warning about taking the church away from God. And so I want us to go through this parable and understand it in that context as it would apply to today. That the vineyard represents the church, and the workers being us who have authority over the church. And that's not just pastors and elders, really it's each and every one of us, because God's anointing, his blessing has been poured out over each and every believer. And so we all have that authority when it comes to the church. So, the vineyard represents the church, the workers represent us. And in this parable, we see that the vineyard was being rented to the workers by the man who made it, the man who planted that vineyard. And so the vineyard didn't belong to the people who were working there. The vineyard belonged to the person who planted it. And so if we apply that to the church today, that means that the church 
doesn't belong to us churchgoers. The church belongs to God. And it's important that we remember that. Remember that the church that we have been given was established by God, and God is the owner of it. And although we can receive many blessings in being in the church, both from receiving from the church and also being a part in the blessings that uh, the church blesses others with, that those blessings we're receiving and giving aren't under our authority. It's under God's authority. And we need to make sure it stays under God's authority. So let's use another example from Scripture to illustrate what I'm talking about. If we look at Samson in the Old Testament, Samson was gifted with incredible strength, definitely supernatural strength. But the strength that Samson had, even though Samson was the wielder of that strength, that strength didn't come from Samson. It came as a blessing from God. That God said, if you follow these rules that I have set up for you, then I will bless you with this strength. And that's why when Samson allowed one of those rules to be broken, that that strength was taken away from him as quickly as it was given to him. Because that strength didn't belong to Samson. It belonged to God. And it was only later when Samson realized the wrong that he had done and repented for that and asked God for that blessing back, then God restored his strength. See, even though Samson was a wielder of it, his strength was under God's authority. And we who are involved in church we're a part of this beautiful system that God has put into place. But we have to recognize that that entity doesn't fall under our authority. It falls under God's authority. And if we try to take God out of that picture, we'll see that power that he has given the church disappear as quickly as Samson's strength disappeared. But that means the flip side is also true, that God's power will be seen in the church as long as his authority is recognized in the church. And if we want to see God's power at work, if we want to see miracles happening, we want to see lives being changed, we want to see people giving their life to Christ, if we want to see those things happening, those displays of God's power we have to make sure that his authority is still being recognized as the owner of that church and all that takes place in it. So it's our responsibility to recognize God as the church's foundation. And last week I talked about Jesus' parable about the need of a strong foundation. And the church's foundation is God. And we need to continue to recognize that in all that we do, especially when it comes to how we handle the church that God has given to us, so that we don't do what these workers tried to do in this parable that Jesus tells.
because the vineyard workers in this parable stopped recognizing the man who planted the vineyard as the owner of that vineyard, and instead they wanted to keep that vineyard for themselves, that they liked what they had been given and they didn't want to give it back. They wanted to hold on to it as tightly as they could, so much so that when the master began to send people to them to collect the fruit that the vineyard had produced, that they beat them, treated them shamefully, and even killed them. Even when the master sent his own son to them. Because all they were concerned with was keeping that for themselves. And we have to be so careful that we don't follow in that example in the way that we handle the church that God has given to us. That we don't try to make it our own theme. And that can be especially difficult because we all have a sinful nature inside of us. And that sinful nature makes us inclined to be selfish. And so we take the church that God has given to us, and out of that sinful nature, out of that selfishness, we often desire to kind of make that church in our own image. The way that God made man in his image, we try to make church in our own image. And by that, I mean that we try to make church fit around what we desire. The things that we like, we keep. The things that we don't like, we exclude. And every little bit needs to be catered to our preferences and our comforts. We want the music to be the kind of music we like at the volume that we like it to be. We want the carpet to be the kind of carpet we like. We like the seats to be the kind of seats that we like. We want the pastor to have a kind of personality that we get along with and that his interests line up with our interests. And we want all of these different things so that the church will be catered to what we desire. And if it doesn't happen, then we go somewhere else. Revealing that what we care about the most in church is how well it suits us. And the problem with that is that the more we try to make it suit our own personal preferences, the more we will exclude others from being welcome there. I remember when I was in college, and I went to college in Minnesota, and it gets very cold and very dry there in the winters. And I didn't like the cold, and I didn't like uh, how dry it felt. And so in my dorm room... Uh, when I got a single dorm room, you know, the first couple of years, I had to share it with someone. But those second couple years I was there, I got one of the single dorm rooms, and I was there by myself. And I made the most of that opportunity because I turned the heat up in that room, and I got a big old humidifier to stick in there, and it was almost always on. And my dorm room quickly earned the nickname of the jungle because it was warm and humid in there. And my argument was, was always that it's not warm and humid in here, it's just cold and dry out there. <laughs> and, and it was something that I was comfortable with. 
but most people didn't like to stay in my room very long because of how uncomfortable it made them. And after I moved out of college, I got married. And now my home is not as hot and humid as my dorm room was because I'm not living by myself. I'm sharing my home with my wife whom I love. And so I have to allow the atmosphere and the setting of our home to be something that is enjoyable for both of us rather than just for me. Because I want her to be welcome in my home. Because she lives here with me. And I've joined my life with her. And if I didn't allow that change to take place, then my wife would be miserable and may even stop living with me because of it. And I think too often we find ourselves in that situation when it comes to church. That we have what we like. And because it's what we like, we refuse to give it up just as these workers refuse to give up what they had been given and wanted to keep. And in doing so, we exclude so many people from being able to find their home in our church because we have worked so hard to tailor it to our preferences and our comfort. And the only people that are really welcome there anymore is just us. And if we want to allow God's church, because again, it's God's church, not our church, God's church. If we want God's church to be a place that can reach people, that people can feel welcome at, then that means we need to allow church to sometimes not focus on us. That doesn't mean that we're not still a part of that church. That doesn't mean that we can't still be blessed by that church, that we can't still find support and help and comfort. It just doesn't have to be that way all the time. It doesn't have to be focused on everything that we want all the time. We have to let church be a little more flexible than that and allow it to sometimes, just sometimes, focus on people other than us. Because in actuality, that is what the church is meant to do. Let's go back to this parable to talk about what the church is meant to do. See, this vineyard had a purpose. It wasn't planted just so that it could sit there. And it wasn't even planted there so these workers could have a place to stay. We see the purpose of the vineyard in the reason why the master sent his servants to go there, which was to collect the fruit that the vineyard had produced. The vineyard was planted in order to produce fruit, to have an output, that that fruit would be grown and sold and eaten, not sit in the vineyard and rot. 
And because of this dispute that was taking place between the workers and the master, which was entirely the worker's own fault, the whole time that this dispute was taking place, and it had to be a while because he was sending many, many servants to go and collect the fruit. So this went on for a while, and so that whole time that this was taking place, it harmed the vineyard's output of being able to provide fruit to those who were hungry, those who needed it. And just like this vineyard, the church has a mission that it is made to accomplish. The church is not meant to just sit there and exist. And it's not just there for the people who like to go there. It is made to deliver the message of the gospel, the message of the hope of eternal life in Jesus Christ that is available to anyone who repents of their sin. I had a professor in college that used a great illustration to describe it, and I think I may have used it before, but it's just so good that I need to share it again. Which is that the church is not made to be a refrigerator designed to preserve the saints until Jesus comes home. It's designed to be a hospital where people who are broken and hurting and bleeding can come to in order to receive the help that they need. But the kind of healing church does, unlike a hospital, is not a physical healing, but spiritual healing. You see, a hospital's primary purpose is not for the doctors and nurses who work there, although they certainly benefit from being able to work there and having a job there. There are payments and benefits that come from that opportunity, but that hospital isn't there for them, it's there for the patients. And just as so many people complain about the hospitals just being there to look out for their own interests and how terrible the medical system is, I think there are many people out in our world today complaining about how the church is just benefiting its own members. And they don't care about anyone else. See, we've done such a good job at making the church comfortable for us that in doing so, we've often taken away the purpose that it was meant to fulfill. And we have to allow the church to fulfill its mission. We have to make that the focus of the church, its mission to be a light in the darkness to be the salt that can preserve a decaying world. All of these things that God intended the church to be, that as we've taken, away, taken it away from God and made ourselves the foundation of it, so much that we have lost. And so my question for you is this. Have you made church about what you want or what God desires.
and maybe you don't go to church at all. And if you don't, then that's exactly what you've done. You've made church about what you want because there's so many scriptures that talk about the fellowship of believers and the necessity of that. And if you have an attitude that says, well, my faith is just about my relationship between me and God, and so I don't need to be a part of any church, any organization in order to have a relationship with God, then you are ignoring scripture, you are ignoring what God designed church to be, and you have made church about what you want and what you are most comfortable with. And that's not exclusive to people who don't go to church that happens all the time with us who go to church, that we are trying to warp it around our own desires. And it's time for us to give the church back to God so that he can use it to fulfill his good works for his kingdom. It's not the worker's vineyard, it's the master's vineyard. And that is today's Sermon in the Pocket. As always, if you have any comments or questions for me, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me either through the Sermon in the Pocket Facebook page, or you can email me directly at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com. And I encourage you to share this with other people to help get the message out there. Or if you even want, you can pledge a support on Patreon um, to help finance all of this. But most of all, I care about the message getting out there because this is a message that people need to understand that the church is God's, not ours. And I hope that this message has been meaningful to you and I pray that God will bless you as you go throughout your day. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Music